Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick and this is episode number 98 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast brought to you in part by my favorite website, the Mandolin Cafe. How's everybody doing? This week, Mike Chemnitzer from Nugget Mandolins. And this one, we had to, we actually have to do a second phone call here. Mike had had a couple things going on that we had to uh, adjust around. So, this is a this is a great kickoff to the episode. There are some unbelievably funny stories and and uh, when you when you hear what the down payment was from Tim O'Brien um, on, on his first mandolin, it, it's, it's it's hilarious. So I want to thank Mike for doing it. I want to thank Scott from the Mandolin Cafe for helping to facilitate this. Episode 100 is just a few episodes away. And my guest for that episode, it'll be a multi-parter. It was a, this was also a two phone call episode. Uh, both were really long. But it's Sam Bush my hero. So episode 100 coming up right around the corner here. And, and I can't believe it how time has just flown by here, it seems like. And I just want to thank everybody who's, who's been listening and, and who follows me on Facebook and Instagram, who's come to live shows. And I'm so excited. Actually, I have a, I've put together a, a five piece bluegrass band that does like a tribute to Tom Petty. Now we just sold our second show out uh, and we've only played two. This will be our second. The first show we sold out at a killer place called Tobin's Market here in downtown Charleston. We got hired to play a thing called Party at the Point. To give you an idea of how big uh, the Party at the Point is, Yonder Mountain String Band uh, headlined it um, just a few years ago, right before COVID, I think. And so that Tom Petty tribute band is the headliner there, and we sold it out. So I'm really excited about that. And we've actually just booked a third show here in Charleston for October with this Tom Petty tribute band. So I'm really excited uh, to be announcing that here once all the dates get firmed up. And it's really cool, too, because we're doing a set ahead of that of, um, of some tunes, a bunch of original stuff, and some bluegrass tunes and different things. So it's going to be a good time. The band's called New Ghost Town. N-E-W, not nude. New, as in not old. New Ghost Town. So if you could follow us on the Instagram, that'd be great as well. All right, let's get into the ads for this week. Peghead Nation's streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. PegheadNation.com has got a great lineup of mandolin instructors. I mean, the best lineup, I would say, of mandolin instructors. Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning. Everything from beginning mandolin all the way up to chord melody. You got the Irish. You got the Monroe style. You've got it all. And they have high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, and play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. And if you join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now, get your first month for free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. I believe they have something coming up in Marshall, Michigan here pretty quickly as well. And Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. All right, everybody, let's get into this episode, part one with Mike Chemnitzer. Actually, we uh, started talking even before we started officially recording, so it's going to just kind of slide in right here. Part of a moody 
bluegrass. That's what it was called. Oh, cool. Moody bluegrass. Did you did you hear anything about that? I did not, but I'm writing it 10. down so I can. Must check have it been out. ten or fifteen years ago, and um, I actually went to the Ryman and 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 most of the of the Moody Blues were there. Oh wow! But it was like it was like Tim and and um, and a bunch of contemporary people um, playing their tunes on bluegrass instruments. Oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> For me, the most amazing thing about it was I, I get to hang out in the backstage at the at the old Ryman. Oh, wow. Yes, that was, that was really fun. That's awesome. amazing, man. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, listen, the voice on the, uh, the voice on the other end of this telephone, by the way, is the renowned luthier, Mike Chemnitzer. Mike, how's it going? Oh, it's going fine. Thanks. Man, I'm so excited to have you. I'm so excited to have you on the show. <laughs> You're, you've been um, like a legendary builder. And ever since I first bought a mandolin and a buddy of mine is a luthier and I was still pretty new at mandolin. So I didn't even know all these builders out there. You know, I bought like a cheap one off of the Internet and. And I'm like, yeah, I've been playing mandolin. He's like, oh, have you heard of this Mike Chemnitzer guy who builds nugget mandolins out of Michigan? And I'm literally, I was like, no, I've never, never heard of him. And now, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, I, you, you. And you, now you have. And now I have your legend looms large. <laughs> well, thanks. You're just trying to take the pressure off of me. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. And special thanks to uh, Scott from the Mandolin Cafe for helping facilitate this uh, interview. Thank you, Scott. So uh, how you how you doing, Mike? What's what's going on? Are you enjoying? Is it getting hot there in Michigan now? Uh, we're luckier than a lot of the country for the weather. Um, we've had we've had plenty of warm and plenty of rain, but but uh, very very little ninety degree temperature. So no, it's doing good. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I'm doing fine. I'm in my seventies and I'm still working full time. Um, and and happy that I am. Yeah, that's amazing. So I uh, I spend most of my time in my shop and some time in some some in the gardens outside. Oh, nice <laughs> vegetables and uh, and in my in my kitchen. I spend time. Uh, seems like every time I get hungry. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's get into the story of um how in the heck you got into building these beautiful instruments. Were you a player beforehand? So as so as a youngster, I I love building things, model airplanes, um, um, tree houses, whatnot. My dad had tools in the basement, woodworking tools, and and. Um, I I just uh, liked that world, and I I liked enjoyed I liked and enjoyed music when I was growing up. I had a guitar. Um, I learned a few things on my <clears throat> older brother's mandolin, and uh, some of the big big impressions for me musically early on <laughs> probably was my dad's Harry uh, Belafonte record. Oh, cool! And. Uh, his Perry Como record didn't really talk to me, but but I liked uh, Harry Belafonte. And my mother had a piano, and I loved banging on that. <laughs> um, so Earl Scruggs uh, on the 
on the Beverly Hillbillies was a big, exciting thing that happened. And I ended up um, buying his book. And also, I was a Pete Seeger fan. And uh, he would come through rural Ohio and the college towns back in the 60s. I'd catch him every time, every chance I got. Did you grow up in Ohio? Yes, I did. I, so I bought Pete Seeger's book, too. And it had a chapter on building a neck, or maybe it was converting a neck to a long neck um, banjo. But So I got a banjo, and I, and I learned a few tunes on it. It was really exciting. And then I learned more tunes. I bought a, um, I bought a tenor vagant and I built a neck for that. So that was my, that was my first project that I was really proud of. Wow. That's, a, that's be, cool. But before, yeah, before that I made some mountain dulcimers and, uh, sold them through music stores. And so I was studying, I studied fine arts in college. I ended up in Athens and, um, Spent time at the local music store, Blue Eagle Music, and um, and Grady, who managed the store, was a really good old time player, and I uh, played. I learned a lot of tunes from him. Oh, neat! When did you find your way up to Michigan? Um, I lived. I moved to Colorado in the nineteen seventies, and. Um, it was great. It was a great place to be a young mandolin maker. And uh, there's a lot of music locally. A lot of musicians on both coasts would be going, would be traveling and stop off there. Um, and I had two young kids and a wife and uh, all of our families were, families and relatives were in Ohio. So that's, we moved back just so that the kids it would be closer to the grandparents. And um, we didn't want to move too close, so we moved to northern Michigan. Um, what made you decide mandolins to, uh, to, to build? Well, in Athens, I got to, I got to know the Hutchison brothers. And um, John Hutchison's a singer-songwriter. And, and a guitar player, but, but, he, but he loves mandolins, and and um, it was honestly his idea. He wanted me <laughs> to build it. He wanted me to build him a mandolin, and um, and he's re, and he set up a, an apprenticeship with a mandolin builder in Athens, Bob White, and I stayed there for a year. And um, it was it was fabulous. Oh, that's so amazing! <laughs> it, it was amazing, yeah. So so two F fives got built, and then I ended up moving to California. Um, the Hutchison brothers had moved out there, and um, and John Hutchison sold my first two f5s one of them to nf who still still owns and plays it in the bay area and the other to howie tarnauer who was the fiction brothers and country cooking and uh, he still has his that's um, amazing Adeline too <laughs> that is amazing i mean it says that says a lot about the first two builds <laughs> you know 
Well, I was, yeah, I was a fine art student, you know, and I was, I was intense and um, uh, just really into it. It was exciting, very exciting. And just the first week that I was at Bob's and um, he, he lived way out in the country and I actually went, went there and just lived with he and his, his wife and, and young child. And uh, he was uh, an employee of Stuart McDonald. So he was gone all day. He'd come home after work and uh, come out to the shop and see what I had been um, working on. Then we'd eat supper and then we'd uh, both work in the evenings. Wow. But I'd just been there for a week, is what I was going to say. And, and uh, Earl Taylor from Cincinnati brought his late 1920s. Well, he thought it was a 1929 uh, Gibson F5, but <clears throat> serial number shows that it was a 1920s, <clears throat> excuse me, a 1926. Oh, wow. And I was a fine art student, so, you know, I photographed it. I measured it. I packed the, I cast the top and back in plaster. Oh, wow. Did you really? <laughs> uh, I really did, yeah. <laughs> I made a, I made a, um, a device where I was able to measure the thicknesses of most, most of the top graduations. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and I, and I just read everything I could find about instrument making. Most of it was about violins. Yeah. There's probably wasn't too many, uh, too many mandolin manuals out there yet. Huh? Not none. <laughs> um, and some, in the, uh, Sloan's book on classic guitar. Wonderful book. So, yeah, I think it was a combination of me just loving that world, loving music, and um, and uh, being able to use uh, my fine arts training some. When I was in high school, Really, the only subject that I loved was mechanical drawing. Oh, cool! And that, yeah, it's a valuable, it's a valuable skill for an instrument maker. Yeah, you have some. Um, uh, when you go out there and you know type in nugget mandolins, some of the uh, headstock work that you've done on there is just just stunning stuff. <laughs> they make them sound a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I did it. Oh, I knew it. I knew that was the secret. <laughs> yeah. So when was the um when did you know like mandolin making is going to is going to be a living now for you? You're like cuz I would imagine at first when you're building it uh, like anything, it's you know, you it's there's a lot of costs, a lot of work and, you know, mandolins aren't like aren't like guitars in a in a sense of sales, so I mean, that's a good question. When did I know? I mean, it seems like in my life, whatever it is that I'm involved with, I know that that's it. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the way that's the way I was when I was, you know, I got into, I loved mechanical drawing in, um, in high school. And uh, that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And then I ended up in um, 
in college, and I wasn't really college material at all, but I was there. <laughs> it, it was it was nineteen sixty seven. It was a good time to be in college, <laughs> and um, and then I transferred to Ohio University to study photography and. I took some photography classes at, at the University of Cincinnati, and I just I loved it, and that's all I ever wanted to do. That's really interesting because of the um, mandolin builders that I've interviewed thus far, Tom Ellis and Lynn Dudenbostel, both also very into photography. Yeah, that is a coincidence. <laughs> you know, a lot of yeah, a lot of instrument builders also built model airplanes as as a youngster, like I did. Then, like after I'd been to Ohio University for three years, I took a glass blowing elective. <laughs> but that came to an end because, for two reasons, um, I love the process, but you end up with all this stuff. And I went to I went to art fairs with it, and um, I didn't. Uh, I sold stuff, but it was just painful. I didn't like. I didn't like that. I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm happy to talk with with people, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably the only reason I sold anything. <laughs> but meanwhile, I'm building myself that banjo neck, and I'm repairing instruments at, at Blue Eagle Music. And by then, I'd been doing that for a few years, and um, and really loved uh, hearing the the live bluegrass music that the Hutchison Brothers would play locally from time to time. John was encouraging about my glass blowing, and 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 he liked it, but uh, he thought I should be a mandolin builder. <laughs> I, you know, and I and I knew that part of the reason was that he wanted a mandolin. He wanted me to build him a mandolin, but also I, I was attracted to the idea. Yeah, and um, so so uh, that's a long explanation of <laughs> of uh, how I arrived at mandolin building. But and and so I made those first two instruments, and that whole process was was uh was so so interesting and um f- from documenting earl taylor's 1920s gibson to uh building the templates and uh and making templates and building forms and then um over the course of a year i built those two instruments and i wanted to stay in Athens and, and naively I wanted I wanted Bob to quit his job at Stuart McDonald and just build mandolins with me full time. Yeah. And the timing was perfect, but 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 he you know he had a steady job there and I'm sure he had health insurance benefits as well for he and his family. Um so um with when the Hutchison brothers left it changed my living situation because I was actually living in a, in a cabin behind Zeke Hutchison. And um, so I was going to have to find a new place to stay. 
and John just John says, "Come out to California. We'll set you up to build mandolins out here." Wow, nice and whatnot. And so that's what I. So that's why I went to California. And um, by the time I by the time I got there, um, they were already talking about hightailing it back to Ohio. <laughs> and uh, so it was fun and it was exciting, but but they but it played itself out and they took off and they wanted me to come back to Ohio with them and relocate uh, up, up the Ohio River towards towards Wheeling. And um, I didn't really want to leave Ohio, but then once I was gone, I thought uh, I thought I, I felt like I didn't want to go back. Sure. Maybe I'm just resistant to change. I don't know. <laughs> um, some truth to that, maybe. While I was in Athens, um, uh, one of the owners of Ohm Banjos visited uh, Stuart McDonald. And the and the uh, Hutchison brothers brought that fellow out to Bob White's farm one afternoon, and um, and he he looked at the mandolins that I was building and and stuff. And, um, his name's Ken, but but uh, he was known as Antelope back then. <laughs> Antelope. And, uh, Antelope. Nice. And so. So I didn't want to go back to Ohio, so I called I called Antelope in Colorado at Own Banjos and uh and asked him for a job and uh, he gave me one and so rather than go back to Ohio, I went to Colorado and um and worked at Own Banjos. I was just there for a year. And then for several years I I did custom inlay and and wood carving for that company. But I, but I was, I just wanted to be a, a mandolin builder. So, and and I was able to do that. I was just in, I was just in um, Colorado for. It seems like maybe just a week, but maybe it was, maybe it was a month. But a, but surprise, surprise! My friend Grady from, from Blue Eagle Music, calls me up on the phone and tells me that he's living. In Boulder or Denver, I forget just where he was living. And he wanted to meet me for lunch. And uh, I said, sure. He said, I'm going to bring a, a friend along and um, to introduce you. I, w- I, want, I want you guys to meet. And so we met up at my lunch hour from, from the banjo factory down on Pearl Street. We went through a food line and took our our food outside on a picnic table or on tables. And, um, and Grady introduced me to Tim O'Brien and Tim, I think within five minutes, he was said that his, his friend, Richie from Boulder had been out in, in California and he saw one of those mandolins and, um, he said, would you build me one? And I said, sure. Wow, and um, <laughs> that was that. That's amazing, man. Uh, so things like things like that. I mean, it was interesting. The works just was always interesting. I think that maybe 
I think maybe a big thing about mandolin building that kept me doing it was because the, the it solved the the problem of how to turn something you love into groceries. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and it did it did do that. Um, part of Tim's payment for his first mandolin was a ham, for example. <laughs> but, well, man, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, man. I'll get on your waiting list. <laughs> uh, and I believe it was a nugget ham to, to boot. Get out. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Were those first two, had you already named your mandolin's nugget for those first two that Tim had seen? Um. I had not, but, but uh, John Hutchison, I, I went with the Hutchison brothers on a road trip, and this was this was before, this was while I was repairing instruments at um, at Blue Eagle Music and blowing class. And we went to Southern Indiana to a festival, and, and um, the Hutchison brothers were, you know, avid instrument horse traders, you know, mm-hmm. horse traders, musical instruments. And that was, that was the reasoning for the trip. You know, they, they had some instruments to shop and, and they, um, they wanted to go there to look around. And, um, so I went on this trip to, with the Hutchison brothers to Southern Indiana to, um, to this music festival. And, uh, I was never a stylish dresser. I, I'm still not. At that time, I was just wearing leftover clothes from high school, <laughs> even <laughs> a handful of years afterwards. And on that trip, I had this pair of gold corduroy pants on, which I imagine if I saw a picture of them, they probably looked fairly hideous. <laughs> but um, But that's what I had on. And and uh, and JD or John, uh, J- JD was, was was teasing me about him, and uh, he, you know which which I was completely ignoring, and um, and he's, then he's but but that doesn't that doesn't slow him up, you know. He just he just digs in. <laughs> it, encourages, it encourages him so then so then before that a bit he's starting to say ah you look like a you look like a prospector with gold pants on with a gold with a gold corduroy pants and uh and he said uh he, he said you look like you're headed to the hills looking for nuggets <laughs> and and then he says he says nugget he says, "Yeah." He says, "That'd be a good name for your nugget." And <laughs> and I, I'm still not taking the bait, you know. And uh, and I spoke because I, I I wasn't successful at <laughs> <laughs> cutting it off at the pass. It became nugget, you know. And so and so that's what all that John called me. That's all that a lot of people called me. And, um, you know, they were nuggets, mandolins, you know, when John was selling those two F fives 
but he didn't call him a nugget mandolin. Wow, that's awesome. And then after after years, after some years, I was still in Colorado. After some years, I I uh, agreed to put uh, a nugget word in the in Mother of Pearl and the headstock. <laughs> 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 Any other questions? Oh man, that's great. <laughs> so I had a, I had an Australian customer. I think it was it was a long time ago. It was it was, it was either in the 1970s or 1980s, and uh, and it was for a deluxe F5, if I remember right. And he didn't want Nugget in the headstock. Um, he, he wanted Chemnitzer. Oh no, kidding! And, and he told me that that Nugget in Australia at that time, anyhow, was um, was often referred to as the animal droppings were often referred, referred oh, to as Nugget. Jeez! And he and he says it's also the name of a of a cheap boot polish. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so I you know went to the drawing board and I came up with a I think it was probably a script. I bet I don't even have a picture of it because it, it just didn't wasn't my favorite idea. Yeah, but um, that's pretty interesting to think about the fact of like wow, now you have to you, you literally had to come up with a different headstock idea for this mandolin. Yeah, for wow. for for the for the for the inlay. But you know, I I for decades just built just made custom instruments. I mean that's pretty much I'm still doing it, um, and, and and now I've tried to rein in the craziness with inlay, <laughs> but um, but back back when you know I was happy to try to accommodate with whatever. Yeah. So did they did 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 it really take off for you once Tim O'Brien started getting getting some fame? Well, I mean, Tim never had a mandolin before I built him that mandolin, and and he was never in a band yet. When well, he and Molly, of course, played growing up, and I bet I bet he, you know, played with buddies around wheeling and stuff. But he wasn't. He was not at all. A, so this is before Hot Rise was. This was, was before Hot Rise. This was even before Ophelia Swing Band. However. Oh wow. Ophelia Swing Band uh, was formed then, and they were practicing. Because Grady told me told me that much about Tim. I, I I think maybe not before our first meeting, but but yeah, uh, long before their first recording. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. So, but you know, Tim's Tim was a wonderful player back then, and. Um, Guitar player, fiddle player. You know, mostly I, I mostly knew him as a as a fiddle player, and um, you know, it's 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 funny that so so the Hutchison brothers they went back to Ohio after California, but when that first Ophelia uh, Swing Band uh, recording came out, um, they got a copy of it, and it's mostly Dan Sadowski doing all the vocals, but um, but Tim sings one song on it and i think it's uh that that the girl with the green eyes that girl with the green eyes
takes a mean woman with your green eyes to make me wanna catch that train. It takes a mean woman with your green eyes to make me wanna change her name. I think my baby's jealous. She said I am her man. She done blowed her lid but didn't hurt the can. It takes a mean woman with your green green eyes. Why, Jiminy, would it go? Yeah, anyhow, it's a it's a wonderful it's a wonderful swing tune, and Tim just kills it. Imagine that, yeah, Tim <laughs> killing a vocal. Right. And uh, but I remember I remember Greg Dirth specifically. He was just dumbfounded that Tim could also sing. You know, they played fiddles together, and you know, I think Tim Tim even uh, was on the first Hutchison. Um, LP on one or two tunes, playing fiddles, playing playing fiddle with along with Greg. Um, so, so you know, I mean, Tim wasn't really waving his banner, you know, saying "Looky what all I can do" kind of thing. Um, it, it pretty low key, you know. He's just he's just seriously um, the serious. Um, musician and you know, seriously studied played and and created but yeah so when he got that mandolin then the people that learned about it would be early um ophelia string band fans gotcha where they played locally in in boulder mostly in ski areas in denver some uh, so, so, so it wasn't like I made a, a mandolin for, for a, a nationally known person. Gotcha. So when was it that like your, 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 like your waiting list and the demand, was it, was there a specific moment when you were like, holy cow, I've got a lot of orders here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that crept up over time and, uh, and I was asleep at the wheel as well. I, I let. I let myself get way more orders than I should have. I, I got, I had way more orders than I even realized. No kidding. Uh, oh, I did. I knew, I, I knew I had too many. I had my, my daughter at the time. She, she moved back home uh, and worked with me for a wonderful year and a half. And uh, one of the first things I had her do was go to my folder with all of my orders and, and, organize them chronologically and, and uh, count them up. And uh, I told her, I bet I have more than 50 and I had 97. Whoa. And they Holy were all. Holy cow. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was unfortunate because they were all locked into the, whatever prices uh, were current when they gave me their 250 or $300 down payment. Wow. <laughs> so it took me 12 years to I stopped taking orders and I, it took me 12 years to build all those wow so that yeah that was it was unpleasant in a way but lucky me that people decided they wanted to pay more or so much money for my mandolins so so it all worked out in the end you know that must have been weird, though. Where, did you come into instances where you saw people, you know, getting the mandolin that you finished working on that they got for a 
you know, at, you know, a bargain basement price to say that and then see it online and sell it for way more than what they just paid for it after they got it. I saw a lot of $3,500 F5 get, get flipped for 20 grand, you know, oh, like in, gosh. in 10 minutes of being posted. But again, like I say, lucky me. I mean, it's <laughs> a, smart, <laughs> a smarter mandolin builder would have, would have um, uh, profited more from that. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's just what it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, I, I don't. Yeah, you're definitely not the only builder who that's had. You know, who that's. I'm sure not. To, I bet you. Know. you. I bet you, or at least I hope that I'm the most extreme example. <laughs> Man, that is wild. What was it like to see? What was it like to see? You know, the first time you saw, you know, your mandolin go for that that amount of money. Well, I mean, it, it happened in increments, and. Um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a, a, a mixture of thinking, "Gosh, I wish I didn't have so many orders," or I, and and uh, wow, that's amazing that people are paying that. Yeah, wow. For me, it's just what it was. I mean, it was kind of like a, a train wreck with a rainbow over it or something. I don't sure. Know. Oh my goodness! <laughs> How many mandolins have you built? Oh, in excess of three hundred and fifty. My my num my numbering system is is not thought highly of for good reason. But I I uh, had kind of one foot in the violin world. I was a violin builder wannabe, always, still am. And um, and they don't put numbers in in uh, hand built violins. Um. I never intended to put numbers in in uh, instruments. You know, my I remember early on, before I built my first two F5s, that while I was I had them started though I was I was in the process. I can remember telling um, a builder in Columbus, uh, and I remember telling him that I had a goal of making twelve mandolins. And I can remember, <laughs> I can remember his face when I said that. You know, it's sort of like he didn't say anything, but his face said, uh, uh, "You know, good luck," or or, or or maybe closer to like whatever. <laughs> 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 but but I did, and uh, so back to my numbering system though, at um. At one point, and I think I built 30-some instruments, then it occurred to me that people wanted numbers in them. And uh, so I went back and I recreated my orders. And, um, you know, being being young and insecure, I counted uh, some ohm mandolins prototypes mm-hmm. that I made. I, I'm the only one that... That, that had any that had a hand in their construction but i counted those you know i i was able to boost my numbers by four <laughs> <laughs> and um and and you know and i counted those first two f5s and tims 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 was the first 
uh, commissioned instrument that I ever built. And uh, the first A model I ever built. And I don't believe I built another A model for three or four years after that. Everybody wanted F5s. Um, but um, so I so so now I'm I'm in the numbering yeah. system. But then, but then there's two other problems. I'm numbering mandolins. I'm not numbering. I'm not putting numbers also in mandolas. And and uh, then I started building octave mandolins. Right, so, right. So so my numbers were were a little bit shaky, but in effect, but they were only mandolins. Gotcha. And then you know, occasionally I would barter with a friend, and um, I'm not a very good barter person. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe out of passive aggressiveness or whatever. <laughs> I didn't put numbers in those instruments either. Gotcha. <laughs> there's a lot of those out there. Wow. And um, well, I mean, there's there's surely a half a dozen or more mm-hmm. um, that are in that category, and uh, probably less than ten. But just in closing on this. Number numbers debacle. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I kept track in a in a notebook, and uh, and so I get an instrument completed, and I put a number on a label, and I I feed the label with glue on it in through the f hole onto the back, and then I record it in the book. Well, every once in a while, I would forget to record it in the book. And, and probably exactly because I'm just um, rushing, you know, to this instrument's, you know, uh, just getting done and I need to do this and that, get the case, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe do some more uh, cleanup on the setup and whatnot and get the shipping stuff together. And from time to time, I would forget to add that number in my book. Oh, no. And uh, so then the next time I put a label in, then I'll use that number again. <laughs> and there's quite a there's quite a few instruments of mine out there, unfortunately, that have the same number. I should have stuck to my guns and never done numbers, but that's hindsight. Yeah, wow, makes for a good story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's a good story at all. <laughs> All right, and we're gonna leave it there for now. We get into the Collings thing, but then we had to we had to make this a two call episode as well. So we talked about Collings, and then Mike had to run. So in the meantime, between now and next week, if you have any questions that you want to ask Mike, just email me at DanielPatrickMusic at yahoo.com, and I'll see if I can't get those in to the next call that Mike and I have uh, between now and next week. And also on Monday, gonna have two brand new John Reichman songs. I'm just going to do a separate podcast just to put those two new songs out. And uh, John and I are going to be talking as well coming up here for his new release. I can't wait for y'all to hear it. It is amazing, as you would expect from John Reichman. So anyway, you guys have yourselves a fantastic week. Cheers, everybody.